Good morning. Thanks for being here. We're glad that you are here. We're continuing on in our series through Luke. And so we've been talking about parables last week and this week. And then this is going to be talking about parables is going to be kind of in and out through the rest of the series on Luke because kind of there's some things that happen and Jesus does some teaching, a story happens, and then he goes into a parable back and forth. So you'll, you'll see this again, but um, today we're going to be talking about listening skills. Listening skills. I don't know about you, my listening skills aren't the greatest sometimes. And if you need proof, you could just ask my wife. Um, there's just sometimes I don't hear, and she calls it selective hearing. She thinks that I select not to listen to her, but that's not the case. It's just sometimes I just don't hear things. You know, maybe it's just there's this reoccurring deafness that happens over and over and over. But, but my, my uh, inability to listen sometimes can be notorious. And so um, there's times when I'm just like on my phone, like on an app or something, and, you know, Danny comes home, how's your day? And there's kind of that just like automatic response, like I'm doing something, I'm reading something. And um, she'll say something, and so and it was probably something really important. And then she's like, "Did you hear what I just said?" And I like, I like. Then I hear that. I like. I look because I hear the tone. Like I'm more of a tonal listener because I hear the tone of things, kind of the spirit behind what's being said. And so I'll like look and I'm like, uh, and then there's this like blank stare. And she's like, "What did I just say?" And I'm like. Uh, and there's that, like, just, like, that face of just, like, I don't know, and I'm not going to lie about it, because then I just look more dumb, and so, but, like, there's also these times in our actual phone conversations, we're talking on the phone, I'm a terrible phone talker, where, like, at the end of a conversation, like, I'm more of, like, just tell me what you need, and then I might not even say very much, but then we'll end the conversation, and so I'm, like, all right, well, thanks, and, like, Danny, like, I'm still telling you stuff, but, like, I'm, I'm like, I know, but I'm just, I'm just trying to keep the conversation moving along and stuff. So, but that's just how it goes sometimes. And there's that blank stare oftentimes when we're talking. So the, I'm trying to become a better listener. But one of the worst things as far as listening goes is when I'm doing shopping lists. And sometimes it's listening to myself. I'll write a shopping list. I'll write things that, like, I need, that I, I, I really need to go to Costco to buy these things. A lot of times it's like, dog food, or sometimes I buy, like, water for church, and I need it for Sunday, and so it's, like, kind of important. And so I'll go to Costco, and just my listening that shows that I actually haven't listened and grasped is that I just get so distracted. I mean, why do they put those 90-inch televisions right at the front of the store? Because, like, I, I'm just like, oh, maybe I should look around this aisle. Like, I can afford this in 10 years or something like that. And so I'm like, I'll do that. And so then, of course, now I'm just in the, like, looking mood. I'm going through Costco, looking in every aisle. Oh, what can I buy here? What can I buy there? Yeah, I need, like, two huge things of peanut butter. I need this, like, gigantic thing of whatever. Everything's bigger at Costco. And so then I'll I'll go through the line. I'll pay. I'll drive all the way home. And I forgot the things that are even written on my list that are even there just because I forgot to look at it. And it all has to do with listening. And so we learn from Jesus, and we've been talking about last week, and then we're talking about this week, that there are two important aspects to listening. It's your first point, that there's two important aspects to listening. And it's hearing and understanding. We need to hear what Jesus says, but we also need to understand what Jesus says. 
Luke 8.10, Thad said it last week, but Jesus says, Though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. It's one thing to see with your eyes what Jesus is doing, but it's another thing to see what Jesus is doing. It's one thing to hear Jesus' teaching and hear what he said, but it's another thing to actually hear what Jesus was saying. The key lies in if we understand what Jesus was teaching. And there's the same thing true in the time of this, the story that we've been reading. is like people heard what Jesus said. They saw what Jesus did, but some people actually saw what he did and followed him. Some people actually heard what he was teaching, and they actually followed him. But a lot of people chose not to. And so do we just see and hear the stories of Jesus, but not understand them for our own lives? Do we see and hear Jesus' story and message and apply it to today, but lack the motivation to respond to it in our own lives? And so in the parable from last week that that talked about, he talked about the sower and the casting of seed. And there's some main characters, some main plot points in that parable. And the first is the sower, which is resembling God. And then you have the seed, which is Jesus' message. And what Thad said last week is the seed gets thrown out on multiple types of soil. It's just going to be thrown out there. And then it's the, 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 the status of the soil that determines whether or not it's going to be grown, whether it's going to take root. And so there's four different types of soil. The first was there's some seed that fell on the path. And this is where the seed would be stolen by the devil, that, that, that things would arise and just be taken. And so the seed never got planted. The other um, symbol is the rocky soil, where the seed falls on the soil, but it can't take root. It might grow up really quick, but then just stuff happens, and there's not a root there, a, a strong foundation for it to last. And then there's the, the thorns. Seed falls on the thorns, the seed grows, but then it's choked out by the thorns because, in the Bible says, by, because of the worries, riches, and pleasures. It's so practical for today. How many times is it so easy to let worries distract us from God, to distract us from Jesus' message? our riches, our need for money, our want for money, our, our want to just to dedicate ourselves to our job and to not let, let's just get our time in, let's retire, let's get our 401k, let's get our retirement plan, and let's just get this done with. We can become dedicated to that. And then finally, he says, there's seed that falls on the good soil. People with a noble and good heart is how the Bible describes it. They hear the word, they see what Jesus is doing, they retain it, and they produce a crop. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today, is more of not like the different types of soil, but talking about how we can, in our lives, become people with good and noble hearts, to create our lives to be people of good soil so that God can grow a crop through us. And so Jesus finishes the parable that we read last week, and then he goes in and he talks about what, like, what this means for our lives and what it means for your life when you choose to see and hear and respond and follow Jesus' teaching. And so we go into the parable. It's uh, titled The Lamp on a Stand in most of your Bibles, but it's Luke 8, 16 through 18. Let's read it together. It says, No one lights a lamp. This is Jesus speaking. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider, consider carefully how you listen. That's a key phrase. Now, what we're going to hit on today is 
Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. And Jesus goes on, he says, Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. So Jesus is telling this disciple, telling, talking to his disciples, he's telling them this parable, and he's like, okay, disciples, if you were confused about the, the farming analogy, if you're confused about the sowing the seed and the crops and stuff, maybe this story will, will do it for you. And I'm with the disciples here. I'm not an agricultural guy. Like, I don't, I've never farmed anything. I've maybe grown one plant in my whole life. And, like, I have a bamboo thing in my house, too, that I try and grow. But it's dead, and I just keep watering in it. But it's yellow. I mean, it's nasty. And so, like, for me, the whole farming thing is maybe not the, the story that relates to me the best. And you can even ask my father-in-law. I mean, he went to college for, like, agriculture. And, like, and so when I go into that family, I'm like, I don't know. Like, you guys love the fair because you, like, actually presented stuff at the fair. Like, they presented animals at the fair. And, like, I go to the fair, and I just look at the animals. And I'm like, oh, those are nice. Like, oh, what's the difference between this blue ribbon and this, like, bad one? I don't know. I'm just going to eat the stuff anyway. So it's like, that's, that's, like, my understanding of agricultural things. And so I'm with the disciples here. Jesus is saying, you know what? Maybe you didn't understand it, but maybe you'll understand this. And so he's, what he's saying is, when you walk in a room and you're providing a light, in, in this instance, he's talking about an oil-burning lamp. And he's saying, if you have an oil-burning lamp in your house to provide light, are you going to stick it under a jar? Are you going to stick it under your bed? And Jesus is like, no, you're going to stick it on a stand so that everyone can see it. And so it's just this clear analogy, this clear illustration saying, you know what, with your lives— like, don't be people that hide everything. Don't be people that just hide this change, this transformation inside of you so that others can see it. And so what we need to understand is when we choose to follow Jesus, when we've chosen to be hearers, chosen to be seers, Jesus explains that it's like having a light. And what do we know about light? When light turns on, the darkness just goes away. Like, there's no choice in the matter. It's not like there can be so much darkness that you can't see anything. As long as you're, like, next to the light, if I'm next to this, like, light bulb down here on the stage, and it's completely dark and the light turns on, at least I'm going to see that light. It's going to be right next to me. I'm going to see it. But what Jesus is saying is that others can see it too. Like, you can see that light. Everyone here can see these lights on the stage. But the problem is it can also be hidden. Even though this light's turned on, I could put a jar over it. I could stick this under my bed, and no one would ever know it. If I had this nice light assemble in my house, I could stick it under my bed and turn it on and say, do you like, do you like this light in my house? And they're like, what light? I can't see anything. But that's what sometimes we do with Jesus. He's like, do you like that I've become a Christian? And it's like, what, what is the difference? I don't see anything. And like, that's what Jesus is saying. If our lives are a reflection of Jesus then the obvious next step is that other people should see it. And this is our, our next point, is the proof of understanding lies in the visibility of our light. The proof of us understanding who Jesus is, understanding his message, and living it, living it out as if others can see it. Can, others, can other people see that, that your life has changed? Can other people understand that like, you once were lost, but now you're found? 
And so our mission at Open Life is what we like to say is like our main mission here is that we're people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And this is a lot of verses that we've read, and we believe this is like that our mission fleshes out a lot of things the Bible teaches, that like we should be people leading people, being closer to Jesus. And so this verse like specifically fleshes it out because we want to be people that shine a light so that other people can see the light and so they can have the light as well. And so it's not our mission, it's not people hiding Jesus so that people accidentally find who Jesus is so that they like might stumble into a relationship with him. Like that could be our mission and like it would be really easy to be like good at that. Like we could just, hey, yeah, if you want to come, that's fine. Like, you know, maybe in time you'll come Maybe you'll accidentally find out who Jesus is. Jesus, Jesus says no. It's like people want to see the light. People need to see the light. And the way we flesh it out is through connecting, serving, and sharing. And if you think about those three words, we say it all, connecting, serving, and sharing. All three of those are basically in direct contrast to hiding our light under a bowl. If we wanted to hide our light under a bowl, then there would be no connection. There would be no sharing what Jesus is doing. There would be no serving people. It's because it's hidden. And so for ourselves, let's take a little minute and examine, like, what are the relationships? Who are the people that can see and hear that we follow Jesus? Do our families understand? Do our families see that light? Do our friends, people that we're close to, do they understand that you have a light, or do they think you're hiding it under a bowl? What about our neighbors? That's a big one for me. It's like, it's hard for me to, like, just meet people, like, even people that live next to me, and just, like, what do you talk about? I mean, like, how's your apartment? <laughs> like, uh, can you believe what the landlords did to us, or can you believe that they make our dogs not bark after 10? Like, that's what, I mean, we have a dog, so I was like, that's all we talk about, but our coworkers, people we work with on a daily basis, do they see what Jesus is doing in our lives? My prayer is that as followers of Jesus and bearers of his light, that we would be bold enough to share. That we'd be bold enough to like speak up sometimes and just say, hey, you know what? Jesus has done this inside of my life. But not even going that far, have we let our understanding of Jesus' teaching, of his message transform our lives so that even if we aren't using words, people can still see something changed inside of us. Jesus' message and our choice to follow should lead us to be even greater followers of him. It should lead us to be greater parents to our kids. It should lead us to be better spouses to our spouses. It should lead us to be better siblings to our brothers and sisters. The transformation of Jesus should help us be present with our friends to have their backs and encourage them when they're going through a time of need, to be there for our neighbors when we find out that they lost a loved one, even if we don't even know who they are. Following Jesus has practical transformation for us, inside of us, and we're called to apply ourselves with integrity and respect, like even in our workplaces. That's what the transformation of Jesus does to even cope with our coworkers when we really do not get along with them. That's the transformation that happens inside. There's tangible impact. So even if we're scared to share, our lives should not be hidden. But don't let that be an excuse not to share. Well, I, I'm, I'm living it out, 
but I'm, I'm just, I'm not at the point of sharing. And that's fine. We're all on a process of being like brave enough or having the courage or having the Holy Spirit's power of asking for that and being, to being able to share. But sometimes we just need to realize that it's our lives that speak the loudest. So if you find yourself today, if you're, you feel timid when you're told, maybe it's time to like share who Jesus is. If you're scared, like use the time in response today to actually just pray to God and say, God, would you give me the courage to, to even just say something that would encourage someone? Would you give me the knowledge or the opportunity to even speak up? Maybe God will just give you a softball and you just, all you have to do is say, hey, I'm praying for you going through this situation. When stuff like that happens, take advantage of those opportunities. And so for some, the first chance to actually publicly share a transformation of faith, to, of saying, like, I'm following Jesus, is through water baptism. And so we've talked about it multiple times through the course of, of the Luke series so far, and we just did the barn baptism a few weeks ago. But what we're going to be doing is here at Open Life on the 28th, is we're going to have a baptism service here at the high school during our service. And so if it's something that you've never done, if you've never made that like statement to say, hey, you know what, I'm a follower of Jesus, you've never been baptized, then we'd love for you to make, like, to mark your calendars, to make it a priority, and be here on the 28th, and we'd love to baptize you. And you can invite your friends, you can invite your families if you want, and just say, you know what, this is something, this is a change inside of my heart that I made, and I want to go public with it. Because that's like all that baptism is. It's just a time and an opportunity. It's like both practical and spiritual at the same time. It's an opportunity for you to just say, yes, I'm following Jesus. But the spiritual aspect can't be like uh, undone. You can't like, like minimize it. Because it's important to think when you're baptized in water, what, what it symbolizes is that like the old is going down, it's being buried, and the new arises. And so it's both practical because you get to tell people about Jesus. You get to say, hey, I'm following him now. But you also are just, it's like a spiritual impact. That's something you can look back on and say, I was baptized. I profess that I'm following Jesus. And so it's important. And so if you want to do that, mark it on your connection card. You can tell us it is, but there's a box on there that says, I'm, I want to be baptized. And we'd love to get in contact with you, just give you all the details about how it's going to work. But do that. if you've never been baptized, we'd love for you to take that step and that opportunity. And so Jesus goes on, and this is the key phrase of what he's saying here. He's saying, so consider carefully how you listen. Don't just hear my message. Do all you can to understand my message. Do you understand? Because Jesus says, you know what, because for whoever understands will be given more. And for whoever thinks that they understand but aren't practicing it, if you can't see the tangible impact, even what they think they know will be taken from them. And so it's important that we process in our own lives, do I really understand Jesus' impact in my life? And am I trying to do a good job to live that out? And so he moves on, and he, he, then the, the story moves on, and there's another story about hearing. And it's about Jesus' mother and brothers. And so Luke eight nineteen through 21 says this, Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. So this is what Jesus says. He says, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. 
And so what I've done is I've taken this passage and I earmarked it for Mother's Day. Because, I mean, what an encouraging verse, like, for mothers. I'm just kidding. But, like, when I read that, that, like, kind of brings up some red flags or some concerns in my life. Because if I were to ever say that to my mother, like, I'd be in big trouble. Like, Jaden, I'm your mother. Like, go do this. Mom, my brothers and sisters and my mother are those who do the will of God. Like what, like, what kind of, like, spanking would I have gotten if I had said that as a kid? And so it's easy to, like, jump to conclusions and say, well, Jesus is being so disrespectful here. First of all, Jesus, let's just remember, Jesus is, like, perfect. He's the Son of God. So let's keep that in mind as we're reading this passage. But let's also kind of look at some other stories. First of all, earlier in Luke, Jesus is born. Joseph and Mary take him to the temple. He's dedicated. But then you also hear a story about when he's a teenager that Jesus goes to the temple and then his parents leave him. And they don't know for like three days that he's actually gone. And so then they find him back at the temple and they're like, Jesus, what are you doing? I'm just doing what my father wants me to do. I'm doing my father's business. And so it's like there's this unique, let's just be honest, there's a unique family situation when you got the Son of God as a child of two normal, ordinary parents. There's a unique situation when the Son of God has actual human brothers and sisters. And Jesus was fully human, but he was also the Son of God. And so there's got to be some, like, interesting parental decisions that have to happen. And just think about it. Another verse says it this way. Jesus said, My mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Who hear the word of God and do it. Jesus is all about fulfilling his mission doing things of most importance. And for him, being part of a spiritual family of God took precedence over his physical relationships. And so what he's doing is, is like he's living out perfect life, but sometimes when we try and fit our own like idea of how Jesus should be like, even his mother and father and his brothers couldn't figure it out sometimes. And so you often hear what Mary did is she pondered these things in her heart. And it doesn't say it for the verse we just read, but it says it for when he was a baby and when he was dedicated at the temple and when they left him at the temple. It says Mary pondered these things in her heart. And I just wonder if in this moment there was some pondering in Mary's heart. Maybe I don't fully understand what Jesus is doing here. Imagine being being Jesus' brothers. Like, talk about some sibling rivalry. Like, oh, Jesus is perfect. Like, how am I going to measure up to who Jesus is? And so sometimes we think that Jesus was just so spiritual that everything was just perfect. Like, everything surrounding him was just amazing because he was the Son of God. But obviously we see that there's just people, when they don't understand fully who Jesus is, There's clashes. There's just things, there's ideas that just aren't fitting together. And we also hear in Mark 3, 20 through 21, another story of Jesus and his family. It says, Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. Jesus' brothers thought he was out of his mind. And so having Jesus as a part of your family would be just difficult. Let's just be honest about it. But don't let the message, don't get distracted by thinking that Jesus was disrespectful 
or by thinking that the message of this passage is just, is just, just to show us that, man, Jesus' family was messed up. Because, like, that's not what the point of what we're talking about. What Jesus is saying is he's calling us to understand how we prioritize our lives. And so our next point is, once we hear the word, Jesus comes first. And sometimes, let's just be honest, in America, we don't get that all the time. That, like, once we follow Jesus, once we hear the word, once we respond to it, like, Jesus should actually be the priority of my life. And, like, I'm here to tell you, like, it's hard for me sometimes, like, just to think, like, Jesus, everything else comes second to you. But it's the truth. And it's in this, like, tension that Jesus' family finds themselves in. They're like, really? Like, Jesus, we are your brothers. I'm your mother. But Jesus is like, no. Anyone who does the will of God are now my brothers. They are now my mother. They have that spiritual family. And so if we don't realize that, then our identity of who Jesus is can become really messed up. Like, our lives through Jesus can become really messed up. But just imagine being there as Jesus' brothers and not really getting it until he's crucified and then he raises from the dead three days later. Like his brothers, like, okay, like now I get it. Like now I see that everything you did had a purpose. Or like for Mary, the one who pondered everything in her heart, to like look at Jesus' life and say, I get it. Now I get it, Jesus. And because, like, when Jesus is on the cross, he looks at Mary and he says, you know what, I'm no longer, I can't take care of you, so now, like, go to my disciple, John. Like, he's your, he's your son now. And so it's not like as if Jesus was just disowning his family. And so sometimes I think we, we can think, like, we can do, go to the far extreme of when we think about spiritual family. Well, if I'm supposed to be all about Jesus then all my other relationships are going to suffer because I have to do Jesus' will. And, like, that's the furthest thing from the truth. And I like to think of it this way, is when we serve Jesus, when we choose to serve him first, everything else in our life is served for the better as well. Jesus served us so faithfully. He served us so sacrificially that he gave up his life and rose again for our salvation. And if I use that as my example in every other thing that I do in my life, then how can everything else not be served better through my relationship with him? How can, my, how can our spouses not be served better if we put Jesus first in our marriages and just say, you know what, I'm going to serve God first, and then I'm going to serve you, my wife or my husband. What about our kids? What, sometimes I think we serve our kids. If you have kids— and I don't have kids, so I'm, I'm just totally judging. But sometimes um, I feel like sometimes parents just let the schedule of your children just rule everything in your life. And I'm not saying, I, like, I, when I have a kid, I want them to play lots of soccer all the time. And so, like, I know that's going to be a struggle for me not to, like, put everything beyond the soccer schedule, you know. But, um, but like, when, like, what's the point where we say, you know what, we're going to serve Jesus first? And that's the cool thing about Jesus, is like, there's ways to serve him, 
but still serve your kids. And like, that's what I think Jesus is saying. Love me first, and I'm going to teach you how to love everything else. What about our coworkers? If we choose to love Jesus first and put him first, I think our coworkers will be served because we have respect, because well, we're going to work hard. We're going to do our jobs and do them diligently. But that's the power of Jesus' transformation in us. That's the power that he has inside of us to do good works. And so as, as we go through the Bible, as we read more and more, you hear Paul even talking about it. And he says in Philippians 2, 12 through 16, he says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And he's talking to a group of Christians here. He's not just talking to one person. And so he says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to do, to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. And so that's what Jesus is saying. It's like, my family are those who hear the word of God and do it. And so like, as we do that, as we do it in our own lives, as we make that decision for ourselves to hear the word of God and to do it, we join into a spiritual family. And so for some people, that's really weird. That's like, are you saying like, like we're actually brothers and sisters? And I'm saying not like physically, duh, but you're brothers and sisters to where like, you should be able to pray for them and be able to like actually empathize with people and say, you know what, I see you're going through a need. And as a brother, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to walk through this with you. And I'm going to trust in God to do a work inside of you. And we're going to do it together. And that's what's hard, I think, in our culture sometimes, is that we live in our homes, we live in our neighborhoods, and we don't even know our neighbors because we're so just, you know what, I walk into my house and it's a different life and I walk out and then it's another life. And so it's hard for us to share and to connect and serve each other when we don't know who we truly are. And so what Paul says is like when we do that as a church, when we actually connect, when we serve each other, when we share Christ with each other, is that we begin to shine like stars. And so what we kind of done today is done a full circle. It's because what Paul is saying, what Jesus is saying is the same thing. It's like when you live out your life with purpose, when you choose to live in community with people, you're going to shine like stars. And the other translations say, you shine in the world, or you shine as a light to the world. And for me, that's encouraging because as a person, as myself, I don't feel like I can do very much. But when I'm around other people, and when other people are around me, encouraging me and shaping me and molding me to become a better follower of Jesus, then I feel like I can do anything. And like, that's what we don't get sometimes. Is like, that's what Jesus is calling us to. It's not just about your family. It's not just about you and your spouse, but it's about you connecting with other people and realizing you're part of a greater family. And so the way we do that open life is through groups. We've been trying to do it like many different ways, but we've had some success recently. And so we're getting ready to go into our fall season of groups. And so if you would ever be interested in leading a group or hosting a group at your house, we would love to hear from you. So if you would just mark on your connection card, even you can take it out right now and just say, I want to host or lead, or I just want to know what that entails. Like even if you have just the smallest inkling of wanting to really be involved with groups, just write it on there. And we would love to get in contact with you this week. And if you want to be in a group, check the box that says, I want to be in a group. 
because we want to get in contact with you. We want to see, like, we want to do this in groups that you, like, begin to, like, connect with each other. It's, like, in groups that our lives are served through Christ. It's, like, our spouses are served if we're, like, having healthy friendships with other people. Our children are served when we, like, put them around other people and get them to see other kids and interact. And, like, that's what serving Jesus is all about. That's what that family is all about. So the worship team can come up. We're going to go into a time of response. But, like, that's the response of the day. It's just, like, thinking, like, how can I hear the Word of God and do it? How can I see the Word of God? Because that's what—that's basically all that Jesus is trying to say here is that those who see and hear the Word of God do it. Don't be someone who hears the Word of God but doesn't hear it. Don't be someone who sees what Jesus is doing in other people's lives and, and not take advantage of that for yourself. That's what Jesus is calling us to. And so if you're sitting here wondering how you fit in all of this, maybe you've been a Christian for like five, five minutes. Maybe it's been five weeks, five years, five decades. I don't know what it is. But I think we have all those types of people here today. It's like, I just want to say that like, no matter how far along you are, if you're in the first day of following Jesus or if you're a well-seasoned veteran and just pursuing after Jesus and being close to him, and I'm going to say you are welcome and you fit in right where you are here because that's what the community is all about is people encouraging other people. And so for people who have been Christians their whole life, be encouraged by people who are just deciding to follow Jesus and have that like excitement and have that desire just to tell everyone about it. And if you are just become a Christian, be encouraged by the person who's been a Christian their whole life and just have knows what it is to be faithful to God and be encouraged by that and know that when trials come, you can stand up against it because there's people here who are living proof of that. And that's what the family of God is all about. And so our action steps today is just three things. The first is to do what Jesus said, consider how I listen. I want to consider how I listen. Do I just hear? Do I just see? Or do I actually understand? Consider how you listen this week. And then the second one is examine my priorities. Is Jesus really first? Is Jesus really first in my life? And if he's not, how do I get him from second or third or fourth and get him bumped up to the first in my life? And that process might be messy. Your families might not understand. Your relationships might not understand. But you just got to believe and you got to have a desire just to serve those people even more through your relationship with Jesus. It's not to say that your family suffers because you follow Jesus. And it's not to say anyone should suffer because you follow Jesus. Because no, they should be served more. So that's what we want to do this week. And then the third thing is pray for opportunity. For those that are timid or lack the courage, pray for just the Spirit's power inside of you to say, you know what? I want to share Jesus with someone this week. I, want to, I just want God to begin to tell me or see the opportunities that I have on a break at work or just with my kids or with uh, my families or with my neighbors. God, give me an opportunity just to say, you know what? This is what Jesus is doing in my life. And whatever that is, but 
those are action steps today. Consider how you listen, examine our priorities, and just pray for an opportunity to share. Let's just pray. God, I just thank you for this time to come before your word and just to examine it and God, see how it speaks to us. And I just pray, Lord, that as we read your word, as we read parables such as just seed falling on ground, God, I pray that we would look and try to be people with good and just genuine hearts, God, where the seed falls and it can grow and it can just grow into a crop just of your faithfulness and your love for other people, God. I pray that we would read passages, God, of of not hiding our light, God, and we'd see how we can actually live that out this week. And God, finally, I just pray that you would help us to be better brothers and sisters to our family that that only is a family because of you, because you died for us, and we join together and we have unity because of that. So I pray that we would be come to and worship you these next few minutes, God, just with gladness, with hope for the future, and God, it would just joy, God, because you have done so much for us, God. And I pray that we would just love on you as we worship, that we would just examine how you can change our hearts, God. In your